0: Hey, Millie, Diana, how are you guys doing tonight?
1: I'm pretty good. Doing great.
0: Yeah, so Millie and I, we, uh, I think we saw David Henry Huang on the subway as we were coming to my place. I was in there and I've seen pictures of him on, you know, just like in, in newspapers and stuff. And I just saw this guy and was like, that guy really looks like him. But uh, I'm not sure if it's just another Asian guy. Uh, but then as we were getting off the subway, a couple of people started talking to him they're like oh you know oh uh, you know please le- let us introduce ourselves okay so this guy is obviously not just a random stranger so i really think it was him that's so cool yeah wow. and that has something to do with what millie did recently because millie took uh, an acting class with uh thai ma is that is that how you say it mm-hmm. okay that's some right. people might think his name is sima that i thought it was pronounced sima but it's thai ma
2: yeah he pronounces it thai um, he's a pretty, he, if you go to his Twitter page, um, he says on his profile that you probably know his face, but not his name, which right, I guess is sort right. of true. I always knew
0: him as the rush hour guy. Uh, exactly. He's like recently. a pretty
2: well-known, like constantly working Asian American character actor. He's um,
0: the I, I dad in,
1: um, is. The Farewell, is, is he? That's right. He was yeah. the dad in
2: The Farewell. Um, he's the dad in Mulan. He frequently <laughs> plays, um... Wait, what, what do you mean the dads. dad in
0: Mulan? You mean he he was the voice of the dad in the cartoon or he's playing the dad in the upcoming movie?
2: He's playing the dad in the upcoming oh,
0: movie. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, so. I mean, And he's had this like decades-long career as an actor and had these incredibly fascinating stories about, you know, everything that he's done. And uh, it was a really positive experience um, in part because the texts that he brought to for everyone to perform were all by David Henry Wang
1: oh cool um who's
2: actually a friend of his so it just felt like so firstly i didn't know what david looked like i'm staring at the guy i'm like oh he's an interesting looking asian man (laughs) Uh, but i had no idea and then we got off the train and chris told me i was like
0: damn yeah he had this like half professor half bum kind of look that's how (laughs) i would describe him as he he was slightly disheveled yeah Mm. yeah but um yeah i have seen pictures of him i didn't know if he if that picture was out of date uh you know maybe it was like a headshot from like 20 years ago so he might have changed now but i i'm pretty sure it was him and i also wonder how many people would have recognized him except for i guess us and whoever those two white ladies were who i think went up to talk to him but the funny thing though is someone recently uh submitted uh or made a proposal to us to write which is very critical of <laughs> his latest play so <laughs> mm. imagine we which had one um i forgot what it was called uh but imagine if we had published that and he's like and, he, and imagine he was a type to compulsively google himself especially since i gather people in the theater world aren't the most uh high profile they're not like you know movie directors who get all always written about maybe he like google himself every day and he and he, if we had published <laughs> that, I'm like oh these fuckers are planet trashed me <laughs> and then imagine we went out to talk to him and he's like, oh what do you do oh we run this uh this little like magazine called planet like you fuckers you trashed my last play. And I will never forget it. Um, but Or yeah. maybe he'd be flattered. Oh yeah, maybe, maybe he'd be, to be flattered. To have yeah. been
2: trashed. By by, by the, the and next properly. generation of, right, exactly.
0: of Asian Americans. Um, um, yeah. but
2: man, his plays are so good, you know, like uh I ju- just kind of I'm not super familiar with all of his plays, but it reminded me, um, that I need to read more of his work and I immediately downloaded a whole bunch of stuff to Kindle, so looking forward to catching up (laughs) he's very funny very incisive so Mm -hmm.
1: one time David Henry Huang got stabbed in the neck oh shit really like right outside of his apartment or something and like he wrote an article about it about what happened to him in the New York Times and it was also about how like um hate crimes against Asians were on the rise and the New York Times like totally just buried the lead um like the titles like oh that time i got stabbed in the neck like whoops um yeah so like he, that happened he wrote about like this as a phenomenon you know against asian americans but then everybody just like forgot about it
0: what that's traumatizing uh should we get the the place uh i'm not the play no <laughs> podcast started escape from planet a Welcome everyone to another episode of Plan A. I am uh, your host, Oscar Kondo, and as I said before, I am joined by Millie. Hey, Millie. Hi, guys. And joining us from Boston, uh, hey, what's up, Diana?
1: Hey, what's up?
0: So h- how are you guys doing this fine evening? Doing well. What about you, Diana?
1: Pretty good. Pretty good. There's some blackouts today, but <laughs> I, I think they've passed now.
0: Wait, blackouts? Are they related to the weather?
1: No, I sometimes it just randomly happens.
0: I always had fond memories of blackouts as a kid, because then you break out the candles and... You just have a nice moment, but um, I'm sure it's very inconvenient when you're an adult and you might have work to do and stuff <laughs> like that. But as a kid, they, I always remember them being kind of being kind of fun. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, thank goodness for like laptop battery life.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's uh yeah. Millie and I, we just had some 떡볶이. Uh, I, I made some. Chris so. made it. It was so good. No, she, she's flattering me. I but told myself
2: I was just going to eat a little bit and he gave me a bowl and I said, oh, that's too much. So he... Gave me a smaller bowl and then I immediately scarfed that bowl and then filled, gave myself a sef- second serving that gave me more than what would have been in the first bowl.
0: <laughs> uh, so uh, let, let listeners know if you uh, are a guest uh, on Plan A, Oxford will feed you sometimes, maybe. <laughs> At the very least, you'll, you'll probably get a beer or a, or a glass of wine. <laughs> uh, anyway, so this uh, episode, we wanted to talk about a couple of short stories. That talk about what life is like for young people, especially in the realm of romance these days. So so the one of the stories we looked at, it came out a few weeks ago. It's called The Feminist by Tony Tula Tumudi. This came out in N plus one. And I, I think it was published in the summer, but it didn't get uh like unlocked or whatever they call it uh until a few weeks ago. So I think more people read it then. And I read it, and and obviously you guys read it, and I just thought, hey, this is, I mean, this is like an Asian American writer uh, talking about a subject that always generates interest. And, you know, the other story that we'll get to is Cat Person, and that was something that was a phenomenon, like, a year ago, which, uh, what did you guys remember when that happened, and it was, like, trending on Twitter? I just thought it was really funny that...
2: Wasn't it longer than a year? Feels my, like
0: it was. Uh, is diana is my memory failing me was it about a year ago or so yeah or was it even this year
1: no i think it was like last summer so maybe a year and a half ago mm-hmm.
0: and i just found the whole thing hilarious because i mean when was the last time that a short story took the country by storm it felt like we were living in like the 1920s uh it was just a very odd uh sensation but it obviously hit a nerve uh and i think it's definitely worth talking about so why don't we delve into this uh story the feminist so this is um does anyone want to give a recap or should i do it or i think you should okay i'll I'll just go ahead and do it so this is a story told from the perspective although uh, uh as millie and i were talking about this i said this was a first person story but she correctly pointed out this was actually third person uh but it follows so closely that i thought it was first person the The main character is not named. He is... It starts from when he's kind of like... um, I guess in high school or something. And then it just details his journey to his... uh, Around 40 in which he is always this single, virginal, unwanted man. And it's called The Feminist because he is of this culture where... Actually being a male feminist type is potentially a way to uh you know get laid uh, which you you know would have been <laughs> unthinkable yeah you know, even a few years ago i guess but that's that's the that's the current uh situation and it, it it goes into his head and just this like growing anger and bitterness in him and i think it's it's very relevant to just you know society today wh- whether you're talking about dating apps or or things like incel culture, Reddit, uh, Twitter, all, all the places that this uh, things come up. So uh, I want to hear what you guys thought uh, about the story. Um, Diana, why don't, why don't we start with you?
1: I was so bored. I was so annoyed. <laughs> I was like, why is this fucking person spending so long writing about this douchebag? Like, obviously, male feminists are shit. Obviously, they're going to be shitty even though they're pretending to be like nice guy like how is this new or interesting i don't give a shit about this guy like i was annoyed the whole time and i was like oh yeah of course he like commits a mass murder at the end like like fuck how is this different from the joker like do we need another one of these um bullshit stories that just like i don't it's it's not even like glorify it's not trying to glorify you know, these shitty guys. But that's exactly what it's doing because it's like going into their head and being like, oh, like empathize with this guy. See all the shit he has to go through, you know? And it's just like, I was bored. I I didn't like it at all.
0: Millie, what were your thoughts?
1: Well, I'm really conflicted, I think. Diana,
2: I totally hear where you're coming from. I can totally see why someone would be or could be bored by the story. Um, I guess that wasn't my experience necessarily. I thought um, that it was really well written, uh, very detailed, you know, down to excruciating detail uh, of this man's experience with romantic relationships. So I, I found it fascinating, I guess, you know, because it did give me a window into a point of view that I'm not frequently exposed to so i appreciated that but i will and and i did think that it was well written you know so respect to the writer on that front but i have to say that to your point diana you know at a certain point while i was reading i started to sort of question the author's intentions um yes it's written in the third person but you have to assume that it's so incredibly detailed that you have to assume that he's the author's coming from his own experience to some extent. So I started to wonder why he was writing this and to think about the bigger context of, you know, where a story like this fits into how it makes sense of something that's happening in society. So, and that to me was actually sort of an interesting, um, that was something I wanted to think about and talk about, this idea of I guess what people call pain porn. Have you guys heard this expression?
0: Uh, I've heard of torture porn. Um, I, I think I know what you're talking about. This uh, exhibition of just self-loathing and misery that is half enlightenment, half in- entertainment for the right. audiences that we're talking about.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like existential angst as entertainment, but then also as, I don't know, in some ways an attention-getting scheme.
0: Mm -hmm. so yeah if you guys um have you guys ever heard of a book called private citizens i don't think so okay so uh diana have you heard of it
1: did did you write a review about it at one point
0: no i often talk about it though but i never wrote about it no i might have referenced it in a in another article but i never dedicated a whole piece to it it's this author's novel that came out maybe i guess five ish years ago but in that, so that story follows a group of four recent Stanford grads who are in San Francisco after college. And it has a similar vibe to this story in that it's an examination of contemporary youth culture or everyone's no, nobody's likable in that in that book. And one of the characters who's similar to this guy is a guy named Will, who is a young Asian guy, tech worker. And unlike the the narrator in the feminist, he's not he's not like caught up enough to adopt this fake uh, you know understanding, sympathetic uh, male feminist type of point of view, but he does share this anger at feeling left out, excluded by this uh, hypocritical liberal slash progressive uh, society. Uh, and and if you know that the character in this story is explicitly white, he says it at least once where he's, he identifies as white. But there's this thing, this hang up he has about being narrow shouldered. And I thought, that's not really a thing, right? I'm sure there's some weirdos because like, they're like, if you go to these types of uh, like angry male forms, they, they obsess over the weirdest things like the ratio of the length of your chin versus the width of your nose or whatever. And they have some golden ratio. Well, that you have to adhere to in order to be considered attractive. but So I'm sure there are some guys out there who have some hangout about how wide their shoulders is, but generally speaking, it's not really a thing. So I was wondering if that was Tony Tulatamudi's Tula- way of alluding to other things like, say, race or height or, you know, the, the way your face looks yeah. uh, and trying to make something ridiculous like narrow-shoulderness uh, as, as a substitution for general, uh, more common physical... Uh, kind of insecurities that guys have
1: that's exactly what I got out of it I mean, there's a lot of people who will like substitute, you know race for height or something because they can't talk about race so they say like oh well like You know people or like women don't like short guys or something like that like that's something That they feel like is socially acceptable to complain about hmm like that
2: part where he says that He's built, like, a closed umbrella. (laughs) There was a lot of, like, really interesting, you know, evocative language, which I appreciated. And, you know, I think in parts it's pretty heartbreaking. Uh, I mean, I know that body dysmorphia is real for men, you know, just like, just as it is for women. But it had never occurred to me that someone would be super self-conscious about their shoulders.
0: Yeah, there's there's a part of the story where he's actually wearing shoulder pads. Right. uh, Which is... (laughs) You know, it, it was like a it was like a not a good fashion thing back in the 80s. And, you know, it's, it's still not not a good thing now. But that's that's how extreme that's how extreme you can get. Um, so, so one of the reasons I, I wanted to do this podcast was uh, a few weeks ago when we did uh, Millie, you and Tumi and I, we did the podcast about the New York Times articles. Uh, I had sent you the story and you were you did have a lot of things to say about it. So what are just some like thoughts that came to you when, when you read this? Like it, just in general.
2: Well, I don't want to repeat what I said before, but I mean, basically, it felt like a good piece of fiction to me. It felt very truthful. You know, it made me worry about my guy friends.
0: (laughs) You know, (laughs) like, I wonder,
2: I wonder if men I'm friends with have these kinds of insecurities. Or it just kind of reminded me that, you know, men think about men have a lot of the same insecurities that women do about their bodies, about their desirability. You know, I don't know, this is something that I rarely think about lately so um, I I actually I mean I found it really interesting um, I did think it was a little long and potent- like potentially a little too well now I'm getting a little distracted because actually Oxford I mean I wanted to know what your thoughts were on this because I kind of feel like I don't know the story is not I didn't take it to be about me in any way so not to put you on the spot no, no, <laughs> and, I, and, and answer spot. your question with a question But um, I'm certainly curious about what you thought when you read it.
0: Uh, My thoughts when reading the story was that it felt like a really long Reddit post. And I say that in in that part of me even wondered, is this even fiction? Because it seemed, because like, um, I mean, if you compare it to a a story like Cat Person, which I also think is in this very in the now uh, uh, stripped bare, uh, and it's like, consciously unstylistic because it's very plain it's just like you know she went to the store he bought her doritos that, that kind of very plain language which i actually like um mm-hmm. uh, it, but something like cat person uh had a dramatic feel to it in that there were characters talking to each other and uh, so it felt more it, it had the look of a more traditional story this was i mean there was dialogue in this but it really did feel like a guy ranting in the first person, even though it was technically in the third person. So part of me uh, felt like it, this was really easy to read because it just really did feel like a, a, an average frustrated guy, albeit a bit extreme because there, there are parts of the story which involve uh, things that you know most frustrated guys won't do. But it just felt like him uh, you know, just writing a really long post on the internet. And it happened to have a narrative arc, but a lot of Reddit posts and online posts have a narrative arc. They are essentially uh, really short stories a lot of the time. So that's what I felt. And it was just, and, and I, for that reason, I found it very easy to read. And I, I did wonder um, is it almost too easy to read? Uh, and, and how much uh, like fiction is there in this? It really just seemed to describe a pretty uh, common uh, mindset.
2: I mean, I felt it was it was fictionalized to an extent, you know, simply because so many of the stories are so painful. Um, You know, I did think that and I don't have an issue with this. I think this is a good thing. And it's your job as a writer to. I don't know if exaggerates the right word, um, but this isn't about reality. This is about um, it's a heightened reality. That's more like you're trying to get at the truth, not about the facts, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. So I thought it was successful in that sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I mean, I think we can all agree that it was indulgent, and I'm trying to decide if that's good, bad. I mean, it's you know, i i, I felt I felt different things as I read through it.
0: Oh, well, what are some of the things you felt?
2: Um, like surprised. You know, I was like, oh, I, right. I guess I guess men are concerned about their bodies. Um, I don't know annoyed at times you know because it, it, it was clear that he was um th- i mean it's a very self-absorbed
0: story that's the nature of yeah. it is there a specific part that especially annoyed you and and quite uh, this goes to you diana as well if you can remember a specific part that annoyed you more than the others
2: i mean okay well l- I, I let me finish i'll say that you know in addition to feeling annoyed at times i also felt um that parts were very relatable you know, the the parts that got to his alienation and feeling rejected. You know, I think those are things that we can all relate to. So it wasn't just annoyance. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't think there was any part. I mean, overall, one thing I noticed was that was the whole. Um, I mean, it just got me thinking about how dating and romance focused our society is. Yeah. You know, agree. I think certainly for so I'm older than you guys. So I have a slightly different perspective on this. Um, but, you know, when I see friends in their 20s or older or whatever, you you know, 20s on uh, friends of any age, extremely worried about being in a relationship that worries and concerns me.
0: Wait, so you're saying that that is different from people from like when you were 20 or, or whatever the age of these people were, you didn't think like that and neither did like your friends no not at all i'm I saying see. that when i
2: was 20 that i went through that too oh, okay but in retrospect i wish i hadn't been putting so much pressure on myself to be in a relationship you know follow you know to always have a boyfriend to be on a marriage track you know to be so concerned about um getting married right
0: you do, know do you think this is specific to women or do you think men feel this too
2: i think i definitely think men feel it too There's just so much pressure to get married, you know, be in a relationship, get married, have kids, um, do all the things. And I'm not okay with that. You know, I think it's very I think that's a good track for many people. And many people, you know, find status, derive satisfaction from that. And that's great. But um, it's not for everyone. You know, some of us are focused on different things. Uh, Our careers. I don't know being artists, you know, there's a lot to do in life and there are many different kinds of lives to lead. So I would hate to think that any of my friends were overly concerned about that track. You know, I think it's very narrow. So that was one thing that was kind of hard for me to see in this story. You know, I was like, okay, clearly this character the author and or the character and or the author but this character is putting a lot of emphasis on um, romance as being a solution to his problems and it just pains me in general when I see people doing that you know it's uh and it makes me angry honestly <laughs> you know I don't I, I wish that there wasn't so much pressure to conform in that regard especially um, I wish people felt more comfortable and especially women, but you know what? men too. Like, I wish people felt more comfortable asserting their independence. Um, you know, certainly, like I, and this just comes from my life experience. you know, when I was in my 20s, I really wanted to get married. Um so I did all the things. I got married. Uh, it wasn't really for me. I got divorced.
1: Was it just the the person or like you just didn't want that life at all? Like like a life with another person? I mean,
2: it's a hard question to answer. I think for that relationship, I think my marriage was mainly a timing, an issue of the like uh, the reason it didn't last was largely a timing issue. You know, I just wasn't honestly, I wasn't mature enough and I was in my early 30s. So it's not like I was a kid, (laughs) Um, but I wasn't I didn't have what it took. You know, Um, I'll always feel that getting divorced was like the biggest failure of my life um, in some ways. I'm trying to let that go now, obviously. You know, I mean, this is like a few years ago now. So um, I have a little perspective on it now. But part of that perspective is definitely feeling that um, for myself now, I do not want to feel the pressure, the constant pressure, you know, that I have felt on and off throughout life to be in a relationship, you know, to be partnered. Um, I don't want to feel like uh, my existence can only be validated by being in a relationship. To me, that idea seems ridiculous. Right. So...
0: But here's a question I want to ask you, Millie. Do you think that you can only come to that realization after going through the whole process? Like, Yes. You, wait, wait. Uh, I forgot. <laughs> I don't understand my own question. <laughs> yeah, wait, yeah, so yeah. I, I think you do have to go through the process. Right, so, so that's why
2: like, no amount of my giving friends advice for example you know it's gonna say it's gonna do anything everyone's on their own journey and they have to figure this stuff out for themselves frustration right and that's you
0: can like you go to like a like a 21 year old who really reminds you of yourself you're like trust me um all this stuff um you know forget about it like 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 dating is it's not that important but to them um you know they got to go through what you went through to to truly know and by the time. They learn that they're gonna to want to pass it down, but then the next next crop's not and really s- and listen so to the them. and <laughs> so the cycle but, continues. So the cycle continues, but yeah,
2: I mean, it would be great if um, if the world was becoming more, and this is like way too optimistic, but you know, if if it was becoming more socially acceptable, you know, to do your own thing.
0: To not be married, to not have children, right? Um, why do you think that pressure is? And I would say nowadays, and maybe this is more from a guy's perspective. It's not so much marriage as it is about uh, be, just like being seen as attractive. And usually, the way that manifests itself, especially from a male point of view, is you know having a lot of sexual experiences. And so, I because I think for young people these days, marriage is not as um, even. For somebody maybe uh, like ten years ago is not as pressing a concern for various reasons whether it's economic uh, environmental uh, political etc but I think the same insecurity is there where if you're not young if you're young and you're not you know racking up those lay counts or, or experiences or stories to tell people you're you're kind of wasting your life like OK, here's a question. Do, do you think it's gotten worse with time? And I'm opening this up to to you, Diana, as well, even though we're like the same age. Do, do you <laughs> think that's gotten worse with time, especially with, you know, like uh, like dating apps and just this more surveillance oriented society where you know the business of everyone much more uh, than even just like a few years ago?
2: I, I mean, I, I, I can't tell, but I also think that what you're describing plays into another social problem which is obsession with beauty and looks and attractiveness and you know traits that we can't even help most of the time um that's just not you know it's not a healthy way to be i i wish i could spend less time you know being concerned about and I, I, yes i don't spend a lot of time being concerned about how i look um but i want to spend even less time being concerned <laughs> about how i look because it's just a waste of time you know and it's, um, it's so degrading for all of us. I was going to say for women, especially for women, maybe, but for everybody.
1: Millie, have you read The Beauty Myth by Naomi Wolf? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like exactly what you're talking about. And it's like it hasn't gotten better since she wrote that book. It's just like, I don't know. I don't know if it's more in... Ent- uh,
0: could you describe that book for people who are not familiar with it?
1: Yeah, it's like um one of the... Like, it was written in 1990, and she basically talks about how, like, uh, the, the feminine mystique, um, like, the, the myth of, like, domesticity for women that, um, kind of got, uh, got, you know, like, uh, the feminist movement kind of got rid of that, you know, at least for white women, um, but, like, the idea was that, like, to be, to be a woman, you had to, um, be a housewife, and now, people instead of like because of uh, all these women like going into the job market, like um, you can no longer it's no longer like economically viable to sell women on housewife stuff. So now they have to um, like like companies will um, like market beauty to women as like this thing, this like feminine thing that you everybody has to aspire to. Uh, And that's how, like, marketers maintain um, their revenues and how it keeps, like, women down as, like, this, like, cheap, exploited, easily exploitable labor pool.
2: Right. It's about how um, the world uses images of beautiful women against women.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: Among many other interesting topics. It's a great book, so highly recommend it yeah, I'll have
0: to give that a read. Mm. Yeah. Um, going back to the story, why don't we talk about the title the the feminist? And I think it's implied it's like the male feminist, right? And I think by this time, uh, it, we all know to be very suspicious of these types of people. but what what are you guys' thoughts? Do you have experiences with this type of guy? Well uh, yeah, so uh, i'll open I'll open it up to you guys.
2: I can't really say that i I mean i, I get I guess it's probably a generational thing. I can think of one acquaintance in particular who I think falls into this category. Oh, yeah? He's one of the most annoying people oh, I know. Oh, spill the beans. Um, yeah, I don't want to be... I don't, I don't want to give too many incriminating, too many personalizing details. <laughs> but um, he is, in addition to being, you know, a very um, sort of self-righteous and outspoken feminist, is also uh, very uh vocal about, you know issues on race so he's a white guy i guess in his 30s um and just you know he's very sketchy like obviously sketchy
0: oh yeah is is it in like how, how does that manifest itself
2: um that's a good question i don't know it's it's just a you just gotta you just feel it it's yeah like, okay. yeah I, I i mean it's well known that this person you know is sketchy around women And um, he's always posting on social media about, you know, women's rights and, you know, um, he's one of the African-American community. (laughs) He likes to date black women and brag about it. Oh, no,
0: that's like that's like the the newest version of of this guy. It would be like 20 years ago. He was probably bragging about dating Asian women or something. But Mm -hmm. now it's like the black one. Yeah, totally picture this guy. But um,
2: yeah, I don't know. What about you, Diana? Do you know?
1: yeah there's a lot of type, people like types that. of men like this yeah there's men and women like this you know just like it, this is just like the the white woke bay, but like the woman version of that mm, right
2: woke bay. Yeah. forgot about him and it's just
1: like <laughs> how I, could i i just like it seems like you're very interested in this type of person ox or oxford but like like this is just a woke bay. Like you hate this guy. Like why do you why do you care about this story? <laughs> I just look at it and I'm just like, this is a dumbass guy. This is one of those like <laughs> white woke bays, and like I just don't understand why any of us need to spend more time thinking about somebody like him.
0: Well, he is not a well. He may have the woke part b- down, but. He doesn't have the bay part down, which is his whole <laughs> his whole problem, right? Not a bay. He's only he's only got half half the uh equation figured out. But
1: what so? Like, does that make him better because he's less good at the uh shittiness?
0: I mean in some ways it could make him safer in that he is potentially less harmful in that he's simply irrelevant. Because if you're like on the social margins, Assuming he doesn't, you know, become like a, a mass murderer or whatever, he's just uh, like a, you know, like if you if you're like a, a woke bait type, you actually can uh, insert yourself into people's lives and and do all sorts of shit. But I mean, this guy, I mean, the, in this story, he's mainly just living in his own head. He's he's isolated mainly from from people. He has friends, but they're not really that good friends anyway. So, but at ultimately the the,
1: the end of the story, he becomes a mass murderer. Isn't that the implication?
0: Wait, at. Uh, at the end of this story yeah <laughs> um, oh I didn't get that no he just it, like he gets uh, uh, some kind of very debilitating illness and it's implied that he can't ever have sex again it, it, did you get that Millie? Um, uh, I, I'm not sure yeah that but, detail didn't stick with me but I believe you yeah and then uh, he he I, he has commits suicide I think but he can't go through with it <laughs> and then uh, I think the ending it ends with him uh, at this like restaurant and then he had this thing before where he like kicked over a stroller that was like his act of rebellion against an unfair world but in the end he just lets the uh, like the, the person pushing the stroller through and no, I no 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 in the symbolized- end
1: in the end he lets that woman through and then he puts on a face mask as he goes into the restaurant
0: wait wait what let me check <laughs> we're checking a hard copy uh oh shit you're right uh he stands aside and t- pulling his mask oh wow I did not see that oh oh okay oh is Diana right yeah no they, no he does put on a mask um but is mm, yeah because like why would he do that unless he was you know like gonna commit robbery or something oh okay but like, what else was there because I don't know if a mask itself would.
1: It made me think of um, the the hammer murder. murder guy,
0: right the the guy in Brooklyn who who uh, killed those in the Asian restaurant, right the the three three male chefs. Is that the guy you're talking yeah. about?
1: Okay, maybe this is why we t- had totally different readings about this story. Because I'm like, oh, you're <laughs> you're glorifying a mass murder, and you guys were just like, oh no, he's this regular dude. <laughs>
0: Oh uh, yeah, I totally missed that
2: detail. Um, but what else is there besides the mask?
1: He had this like resolve.
2: Uh, resolve? You said? Yeah. Does he describe going in with a weapon of some sort? I don't no. remember that. No. Well,
0: he talks, because like uh, before that whole part, I mean, he he does have suicidal thoughts, right? Because he he says something about a, a serrated knife. Oh, or, or <laughs> no, and then and then he talks about um not being able to go through with it. I thought he meant the suicide, but maybe it means like some kind of mass murder.
1: There was a part before that that made me... He was like, this this is going to be my last um, hurrah or something like that.
0: Yeah, so here's this part. He must commit himself to action, pull out the serrated knife that's been in his chest for decades. That's a metaphor. Before he dies, he must... Right. Before he dies, he must stop nothing from happening. Weeks later, after some false starts... Okay, so those false starts, I thought, referred to suicide. But now... Now that you point out the mask part, that now sounds possibly of some kind of attack on others, right?
1: Yeah, and he like smiles at the woman like as he's letting her in, kind of like knowing that he's gonna do this thing.
0: Uh, yeah, no, I th- I think you're right then. Yeah, it's um, yeah, damn, okay, yeah, it is maybe about. Can I see uh, Hold on. Or not? Maybe it likely is about. I'm reading it too
2: now. Oh, see, I didn't read it that way. Wait, Millie, How did you read it? I assumed the mask was metaphorical. Oh, um. Because I think okay. that given this writer is skilled, and I think that if he, if it was, if we're supposed to believe that this guy is going into a restaurant to kill people, then he would have seated it earlier. There would have been a weapon. You know what I mean? Like,
1: Why would there be I, a
0: metaphorical
1: I, I, mask?
2: Um, Because he's pretending he's okay
0: right Hmm, okay because
2: he's pretending to care about or (laughs) not care about he's pretending to um defer to women or i don't know what the right word is but respectful he's
0: like the type of gentleman who's gonna let uh, a woman walk by with a smile on his face i think that's how i read that but he didn't think it was like an actual where, where
1: has he done that kind of metaphor in this story before though
0: like but isn't that his entire life up to this point where he has had this insincere um veneer of being the type of understanding guy who is all for women's rights lgbtq rights um etc like from but
1: he never had like a there was no metaphor to that before though so like why would the mm -hmm. this mass suddenly be a metaphor
0: i guess it's yeah it's it's, i guess it's it's hard to so because i think it's either the so the, to me, the key phrase is like after some false starts with the serrated knife, right? Like, so what do those false starts mean? Um, it can either refer to attempts to carry out this attack, or what I initially thought was suicide attempts. And I guess depending on how you read that, it will color whether you think the mask is real or not. So yeah, no, that's
2: so maybe it's supposed to be up for interpretation. It could. It could be. Um, I just kind of think after reading something that is so carefully and, you know, minute by minute described in such minute detail, it feels a little weird to then jump to if, if it would feel like a jump to me for him to be going into this restaurant to kill people because we've never we weren't led to believe that he was violent.
1: But maybe that's the point. He's
0: angry, though. Mm-hmm. maybe maybe this can be for our listeners listeners if you haven't read the story go read it and then when we post this on twitter you can um chime in on whether you think <laughs> he carries out a massacre right. or not because Damn, Diana! Thanks for pointing that out. That's yeah. like, but it's like three or four words in there. It was snuck at the end. You know, how when you get to the end of a story, you're like, okay, I'm done. Yeah, I'm at the finish right. line. Yeah. I totally did stuff. not see that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it does change the the, the tone of the story because um, actually, this story reminded me of a, a novel that I really like. It's called *Loner* by Teddy Wayne. Okay, so it's a story about uh, a freshman in at in college, and he is quite similar to this guy, except he he also he like will in private citizens doesn't put on his airs of a male feminist but he does have this uh like simmering anger at feeling excluded and not getting what he thinks is his deserved social status and the then the brilliant thing about the book is that it slowly like for half the book you really do feel for this guy he's this kind of like middle-class guy from the suburbs and then he goes to harvard and, and you can guess like the type of snobby uh bullshitters that are there uh, who make him feel like shit so you you do feel for him even though you see that he does have this uh you know bad attitude and um just just like any social tendencies but it does build towards a kind of a, a shocking end uh which uh if this story if if it he does indeed uh carry out this this murder uh follows a similar path because you know at the beginning you could feel uh some sympathy for him because he is trying to do his best to, uh, you know, work with, with what he's got. And there's a part in the, in the star where he just asks his friends, like, but, you know, there are just simply people in this world, you know, men or women who are simply not going or just like unattractive. And, and so, you know, w- what do they do? And then nobody really answers that question because it's a really difficult question. Right. So, you know, up to that point, you can sympathize with him. But yeah, if, if he ends up doing this, you're like, oh, shit, it makes you question all the whatever sympathy you might have had for him before
2: yeah or, i mean or not i don't know i have to think about it now
1: <laughs> i'm glad we got that cleared up though i was like uh, yeah. why are you not angry
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i just thought he was i thought the ending was him uh just feeling resigned like this is who i am i can't the, the thing that he was obsessed with most which was like sex and and validation through sex he can't achieve anymore because he, he's got some unnamed illness uh and he ch- wanted to commit suicide but he can't even do that which um obviously uh you know committing suicide is not some feat but i'm sure he thinks it's because he's a coward or something so in the end all he is is just the guy with the fake smile on his face but uh you know that, that could also be wrong interpretation uh do you guys want to talk about cat person the, the story that i thought the thing is, I hadn't read Cat Person in a long time uh, since it first came out. And then I read it. And then um, when I got to the end, I realized that Robert in Cat Person is like a more socially capable version of the narrator in in this story.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, honestly, I felt like in, in the The Feminist, the writer was writing like an Asian guy. But he was saying that he was white, I don't know why it kind of annoyed me um but in cap person like that guy Robert, that guy felt like a white white dude
0: <laughs> <sighs> and maybe that's the difference right in that uh I mean assuming that the narrator in uh in the feminist is is Asian or or let's say not white mm-hmm. um that are that a Robert in the in cat person who is probably not that different at all. Uh, at least um, you know, let's let's be honest, gets laid. Uh he he's not he's pretty inept, but he's not totally
1: He knows what he's doing.
0: Right, and right, and the the main character uh whose name eludes me, it's not Madison. It, does it start with an M? I'm not I don't remember. <laughs> I'm not it doesn't really I read matter. the story when it first came out. Mallory? But, I, but I haven't
2: read it recently. Uh, Margot
0: I knew it was an M. Uh Margot she is attracted to him at first. Uh she's working the concession stand at a theater and she's like, yeah, he's cute. Like not like blindingly attractive, but she there's a there's a nice line there where she's like, if he sat across me in a really boring class, I could, you know, make myself have a crush on him. So <laughs> <That's> uh, <laughs> high praise. Great. Wow. Right, that's high praise. The bar is so high. Because Robert in in cat person for the most part, I I mean there are lots of kind of like shade, shadiness to him. Like he he lives in this house that's like not really well kept. Um, he's like in his late thirties, I believe, but he's dating a twenty year old. He is not that he doesn't seem that socially in tune. Uh, he you know he makes her feel awkward a lot of the time. Um, but you know for the most part he seems like at least. Like when she says, you know, D- stop texting me, which she actually doesn't send. Her friend uh, sends that in her stead just like because she's tired of seeing Margot just be, ner- you know, like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? It's like, just say? Just, you know, just tell him that you don't want to see him anymore. And she sends that for her friend and he responds to it like relatively, you know, pretty coolly. He's like, oh, yeah, thanks for letting me know. I had a good time, but, you know, hope you do well. Uh, but then in the end, um, you know, the last word in the story is whore. So that's, that's the sucker punch, right? You're like, okay, he's, you know, he's, he's not like, yeah, obviously they didn't seem right for each other, but he seemed to take it well. And the last line, he was like, oh, he's, he's like one of those guys. So that's because uh, as I said, I didn't, I hadn't read this in a while, but then I saw that and it's like, oh, maybe Robert is some uh, version of the narrator in The Feminist. He might be a little bit more capable, but like degrees of the same type. Millie, I see you nodding (laughs) pensively.
2: Yeah, well, I'm struggling to remember the details of the story. Um, I remember how much attention it got when it came out. And so I read it and it just it didn't really appeal to me. So I sort of forgot about it. (laughs) I wish I had a chance to review it before this pod. But that I remember cat person. I definitely remember feeling indulgent. Mm -hmm.
0: Am I off there? I think it did appeal to a very certain demographic that holds a lot of sway in media uh because this is basically a story about a you white know, white straight college student <laughs> dating another white straight uh dude and it, it goes into this uh area where you know she she has sex with him, but it's he's driven her to his home. They're in the bedroom. He's taking off his pants and she realizes she doesn't want to do it. Uh, but now she's thinking, if I say no, then it might be awkward. Um, I don't want to. Kn- it might be better for her just to go through an uh, a bad sexual experience than to even go through the social awkwardness of asking him to drive her back to her, her dorm. So that's an issue that resonates, I think, with a lot of people in general. But I think especially with, uh, you know, let's say a certain demographic uh, and I think that's why it became such a cultural phenomenon when it came out. And that might have to do with some of your annoyance, Millie. <laughs> with what? With your annoyance that, that it, it really spoke to a certain group, uh, you know, basically like well-educated white women. And because it appealed to them, it was supposed to be universal.
2: Yeah, I guess maybe maybe it's the expectation that every woman would be able to relate completely to that experience. That's annoying. Mm-hmm. You know, not so much the the validity of that experience. I can't comment on that. But since it's not mine, I don't want other people assuming that that's how I live or exist. Um, I mean, I think that that story was supposed to appeal to people like me, but it didn't. Uh-huh. Not for me, anyway. Not to me.
1: I mean, it came out kind of like, um, I don't know if it was like right after Me Too or like, it was around that time, right? I think it was mm, around the right. time when the Aziz story happened and people were really questioning the, their understanding of coercion and consent, and especially like white women, you know, of a certain class, right? and i think yeah
0: diana you're right the uh cat person came out december 2017 and the aziz Ansari like scandal happened very early 2018 okay so yeah it okay. was it was like almost right on top of each other i guess, i think cat person came out right before it. right so it already had captured this feeling which um then the aziz Ansari thing you know, expanded on
1: yeah but i mean like uh, i think um i think it is a big issue because a lot of women have been in a situation where it's not clear if they're being coerced or if like like what is consent you know like this is this is a it's it is a deep and like important thing to think about and i think what made it so popular at the time was um, there hasn't re- there hadn't been discussion of of this type of uh, non consensual sex, you know.
0: You mean like the situation cat person where you feel compelled to say yes just because it would be awkward or inconvenient to say no?
1: Yeah, or like you're you're a woman who's more concerned with the feelings with not embarrassing the guy than you are of what you want and i think that is especially a thing
0: right i think that seems. i think one of the obstacles that we have to get past in order to discuss that is this truth that um, sex means different things to men and women and i think with things like second wave feminism there was this idea that no it, it means exactly the same uh men and women no differences but um like i mean if you think of a guy in a situation if a guy was like um oh you know what this this woman might have to drive me back a couple of miles um unless i have sex with her it's never really never going to bother us if we have to have uh sex we don't really want to have in that case so it does mean something different uh to us whether you say that's socially ingrained or it's like biological i think that's a another debate but i think the fact is with in modern society it is different and i think we still are confused and afraid to say that because i think some people are afraid if they say that then they're going to say oh you're you're one of these like gender essentialists uh who are saying that uh there's like a slippery slope well if it's different then um double standards are justifiable but i i don't think you can get to that point of of that murky consent that is unique to women in a way that's not unique to men unless you accept that uh, sex means different things and has different consequences in in our society
1: yeah personally i don't feel like this discussion is like in our wheelhouse <laughs> of this podcast <laughs>
0: okay yeah i mean we uh it could yeah it's a we, big topic
1: i
2: mean i guess um i'm curious as to what I'm just kind of wondering if you guys think that these stories hurt or
0: help um okay, let's start with the feminists then uh who who are you talking about who's it hurting who's it potentially helping
2: um well, it could for example be helping someone like me you know a relatively distanced reader you know who doesn't have who's i'm a i'm a woman i don't know you know what it's like to have gone through that through the character's experience um it in theory helps me understand that experience that's one position um it could be hurt it could also help um young men who have a similar point of view to the character like oh this is my truth i like seeing you know it makes me it gratifies me to see it in written form right like validated yeah exactly like i'm not alone yeah yeah you know um i feel understood so those are people that could help um but i also think that it could hurt young men like the character um because it makes us feel sorry for them to some extent i mean i think that is kind of what the author is going for Maybe not. I mean, I think he does it in a sophisticated way. He uses humor. He's very um, specific, which I think is great, or just artistically speaking. But as I mentioned earlier, like I question his intentions and whether he's, I don't know what the right word is, if he's self-effacing in a way that makes That causes other people to feel sorry for him in a way that's not productive.
0: So you're saying the author is potentially making readers dangerously sympathetic to the narrator?
2: Well, or condescending to the narrator. Okay. You know, so let's say I read The Feminist and I think that I get it. I understand, you know, what it must be, what life is like for an incel. You know, then I meet someone who, you know, has narrow shoulders. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, you know, something clicks in my brain, and I'm like, okay, well, this guy is like the narrator of the feminist.
0: Oh, okay, I see what you mean. And Mm -hmm.
2: I'm, and I start making, you know, generalizations and associations and making assumptions about
0: that person. Mm -hmm. Dana, what what do you think?
1: Um, I think everything changes depending on the ending for me. Right. I
0: see. I see. Hmm. Oh, why don't you do one with he does commit a massacre, and the one where he doesn't. (laughs)
1: If he doesn't commit if he does commit a massacre, it is so irresponsible to have written this story because it's it's sympathizing with the mass murderer. That's and that's the long and short of it. Like I don't want to hear this story. This is like it's like that fucking Ted Bundy um Netflix special all over again. Like I don't I don't care. And also it's like I don't feel like it's true necessarily that like these mass murderers are actual incels, you know? Like a lot of these guys they're um they're they're fine, you know? <laughs> like they're living pretty norm- Well, Bundy wasn't. Yeah, they're they're pretty normal. They're just really entitled and really angry, and it's not actually that society or any anything about them is unusually awkward right and i I,
0: then that supports millie's point about uh then it actually unfairly targeting exactly the the kind of guys who uh, who fit this profile who may just end up you know the biggest harm they do is to themselves just exactly uh, and they're not
1: yeah and i i feel this Mm -hmm. like i see this guy as an asian guy and I resent that the author did not just make him Asian but made him white. And I resent that he put that violence, violent act on this guy. Because I think in real life, this guy would be an Asian guy and not that terrible. Like like he would have ended... Right. Like
0: worst case, he, he goes on like Asian identity and, and posts some <laughs> like angry stuff. Yeah, right.
1: exactly. And to put that on on our guys <laughs> like no fuck you i was so mad about that um it
0: well i guess yeah. it, it, narrow-shouldered it's it's the race of narrow-shouldered <sighs> then, I guess. But, um, like
1: you know we know we know what he's saying like i could just i could feel it as an asian guy and i'm not even an asian guy you know
0: mm-hmm. i mean you could replace narrow-shouldered with asian in the story yeah exactly Probably make even more yeah, sense. yeah and you
1: know? i felt like he should have just done that because that's it seems like that's what he wanted with the story
0: yeah i mean i bring that up because like in the past he has not shown any fear of actually using an asian guy like in private citizens will will is this pretty despicable character who um for instance uh he's like pretty much is, is like a white worshiper he, he has a girlfriend named Vanya. She's a white, uh, like, attractive blonde, but she's also in a wheelchair. So he's always thinking, well, yeah, if she was, like, a hot white girl who could walk, she would not be with me. He creates, like, all sorts of deep fake porns, like, I think using the faces of of women he knows or has pictures of. Uh, and he just has, he's just, you know, very unpleasant, mm-hmm. very dark okay. character. So he, he's not, and, and this was, like, a novel that was gonna, uh, you know, that really, like, put his name out there. So he has not shown that fear before okay. so i am curious why he pulled back if that was his intent okay yeah. um in this in this story
1: yeah it's it just seemed weird to me um but who knows what his intentions were and um let me think about it if if he is if it was like not a mass murder <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, well, then, Millie, let, let's redirect your question about helpful, uh, harmful to cat person. Like, who do you think that would, it would help, harm, etc.? Uh,
2: I mean, I, I feel like it's basically the same set of people, but gender reversed.
0: Okay. But, like, the, the you know, uh, Margot in cat person is, is not, uh, you know, angry outcast that the narrator and the feminist is. I mean, she has her own issues, but yeah so well how do you think it would harm her
2: or her type i mean i don't remember enough of cat person oh, yeah, a true. story i didn't like uh to say for sure but i mean i think i don't know i it might be a little bit different for for women and i i, I guess you know in relation to that story you know I, I think we're supposed to see her neuroses as endearing am i right about that or am i misremembering
0: oh I don't know. Uh, Dana, uh, feel free to jump in. I don't know if endearing yeah, is the right I word. I didn't but get
1: that. Certainly,
0: I think. Is she supposed to be unlikable? <laughs> um, I think she's supposed to be more like.
2: <laughs> see, I don't think she is. I can't see how a white female author writing about a white female character would be presenting a point of view that was
1: less than uh, flattering.
2: Yeah, essentially.
0: I think at the, I don't think she was supposed to make her endearing. I do think it was supposed to make her very relatable to the type of person uh, who would be reading a New Yorker short story, and I guess it worked because like the people, uh, you know, it was like it was like the most read New Yorker piece, period, whether it's like fiction or otherwise, in in like years, you know, like who the fuck reads the New Yorker these days, right? But this became as popular as. Uh, you know, like 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 a reality TV show. It, that's that's how bizarre it was in terms of just how unusual it is for something like that to happen.
1: I think, as far as um annoying New Yorker short stories go, like this one wasn't that bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. it sounds like you you have some that you want to trash. <laughs> uh,
1: no, it's it lo- I just. I've read a lot of New Yorker short stories, and this one was not as bad like I felt like it was actually the most um one of the most relatable ones to me that I've read in a in a long time
2: I mean maybe I should revisit it i don't know
1: i i I think that in general, cat person was helpful to women
0: in in what sense
1: um just that like a story like that that was so um so detailed about a, a situation like this i don't think it's ever really been told like that before
0: so do you think it serves as a a warning uh, it makes the readers think about what they would do in that situation so it makes them anticipate it
2: yeah i mean i probably shouldn't even be speaking since i don't remember that much about the story. But Diana, I kind of feel like my experience with cat person was your experience with the feminist. <laughs> <laughs> Why should I care oh, about this person? Interesting,
0: Very interesting. Why should I care?
1: But the reason that I felt that way was because that gu- I assumed that guy was a mass murderer. And it seems like the reason that you're feeling that way about cat person... Is because she's white.
2: I don't think it's the only reason. I mean, I think it's more complicated than that. It's, I kind of feel like she represents... Again, reach, I'm reaching here because <laughs> I haven't read the story in a while. But I think she represents, you know, ideals that I no longer feel
0: connected to. Uh, would you so you mind, I know that was part of it. Uh, would you mind uh, saying what those ideals are?
2: Um, I don't know, like... Cutesy neuroticism.
0: Oh, I see. I see what you're You know, you're caring about. too
2: much about what men think and what other people think. Um, caring about dating, obsessing over guys. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't... That's not what I'm about now. So <laughs> I can't relate, you know? And, and I think that there's an assumption that if you're a single woman in New York, as I am, you know, that I am obsessed with those things and I should be obsessed with those things.
1: Oh, really? And oh. I'm not. No, so, I, I didn't... You know, I, I felt like she was obsessed like that because she was kind of young. Like, I got the sense that this was like, like a young woman's issue. And I didn't think that like, you know, somebody who like <laughs> isn't an insecure college student would necessarily feel like it represented them. But I feel like this is something that like a lot have, of women have gone through at some point point. Or will go through at some point, and I think it's like um, it, it. It's helpful to just like see something like this, so that so that everybody can kind of like think about their experiences and like maybe introspect or um, reassess what was happening.
0: Yeah coincidentally on Vox, there was an article that came out a couple of days ago, but it's this book called The Love Affairs of Nathaniel P. It was a big hit when it was published, I think in 2013, but it does fit into the genre of uh, a story, a very like low key story, usually about city dwellers, often New York City. They're often writers or other people in, in the creative class. And it has to do with their day to day lives, dating relationships. For some reason, uh, this writer at the Vox decided to write an article about it. And I mean, I really love this book and I really didn't like this article. It was really just very shallow. Uh, it, it, it tried to connect because the book is all a, it's told. It's written by a woman named Adele Waldman. But she writes from a perspective of kind of like an early 30s uh, writer in New York City. And just, I guess, the the kind of sexism he still embodies, even though he considers himself a very educated, enlightened guy mainly embodies in the way that he just casually um, disregards women's feelings when he's dating a uh, really big fan of this book uh, but she then links that to uh, the Isla Vista shootings committed by Elliot Rodger I was like that's such a uninteresting connection to make you know yeah yeah they are connected in in the broad spectrum but it's much more interesting to talk about the the smaller uh, everyday type of Uh, sexism rather than saying yeah that is the first step towards uh, you know killing like 10 people uh, with a gun that 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 just like jumps from like zero to to a thousand too quickly and and it's the steps in between that's really interesting uh but anyway this article for some reason talked about uh, a book that came out like six years ago so i was just you know i think it's just on everybody's mind um these topics
1: yeah i guess in general it just annoys me when something somebody implies like oh this is going to lead to a mass murder or something like very very uh dramatic because it's like you you focus so much on like these like insane thing like insanely bad things that um all the other minor problems kind of seem irrelevant or like they're only relevant if they lead to this terrible thing
0: right exactly it's like how in movies, the it, it's the fallacy where in movies they think they have to create some doomsday device that will obliterate the universe in order to make people care. But that is such an extreme and unlikely event that people just tune out. It's actually more, uh, it would make a more bigger impact if you if you talked about maybe a single death that was at stake, like your friend or your, your parent was going to die. But then once it's like a, a billion people, you're like, yeah, that's just comic book land and I don't care anymore. I think that's the thing. It's like you focus on, on someone like Elliot Rodger, that is still so extreme. Uh, it's actually more interesting when you, when you uh, focus on, on the more everyday things that people are affected by, not this outlier of an event. Uh, you know, that's still like, uh, you know, outrageously still too common in America, but in the big scheme of things, uh, you know, still very rare.
1: Right. It, it's kind of like somebody only caring about hate crimes when they talk about racism. It's like you're missing yeah, so yeah, much. Like
0: somebody has to die. Like I demand at least, you know, 5 bodies before it becomes relevant. It's like that kind of attitude. Yeah. All right, uh we have been talking for a little bit over an hour, so I think uh I think it's a good place to wrap up. Any last thoughts? Um if anybody has any?
1: Oxford, when are you going to write your novel? Or I mean, when is your novel coming out?
0: <laughs> yeah, Oxford. Uh well, that's, that's I don't think that's really <laughs> up to me, right? Someone has to actually take it in first but you know i'll keep trying uh any any other thoughts
2: i I guess not Uh, you know i I think these stories are both worth worth reading i will go back to cat person and see if i feel any differently about it um but would love to if if this pod helped readers you know get interested in taking a look yeah at the very
0: very least reader uh listeners please let us Decide what happens at the end of uh the feminist. <laughs> yes, you know, listeners, like, we, not we readers. Gotta know. we'll 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 use uh the power of the people in this regard. Whatever you guys vote, we will we will agree happened.
1: <laughs> That's democracy in action.
0: Right. That is the American way. Not really, but <laughs> Okay, uh so Millie and Diana, thank you for joining uh me for this. Great discussion. Um and listeners, thank you for listening. Uh we will see you next time. All right. Bye everyone.
2: Bye. Thanks guys.